Wow. Good to be back together again. Communion, we'll sort that. Cup by Martin. Martin remembers he came along to do communion. Hallelujah. Lord, we just uh, acknowledge and welcome your presence here today. You are the King of kings and Lord of lords. And Father, just ask that in the service, by your Spirit and through your most holy word, that you would exalt and glorify our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, the Son of, that delights your heart, Father, that has pleased you in every way. Father, we thank you for him. Thank you for sharing him with us today. Thank you for the kingdom of God. Father, bless your word today for the honour and glory of your great and mighty name. Amen. 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 Kingdom. Kingdom means king's domain. It's where he rules. Jesus rules over an amazing kingdom. You know, we've just come out of our healing series. And if you remember a month ago or thereabouts, I preached about a message on healing and the need for our nation to be healed. Uh, uh, Job 12, 23 says, He makes nations great and destroys them. He enlarges nations and guides them. Some he destroys because of sin in that. I, I spoke about how that there are seven mountains of influence in our nation and it's time for us to rise uh, as sons of the living God, as kings, and lords under the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and to have influence in our nation. The seven mountains are uh, government, uh, business or e economy, the uh, education, arts, and the media. Uh, it is a family, and it also religion. And I mentioned how that there are demons uh, infiltrated into those realms in our nation. And what we see out there today, we cannot take it lying down, and nor does our king want to take it lying down. Because he has a great purpose for Aotearoa, and he is not finished with us yet, but he's calling us to rise. The kingdom of God is not a democracy. I spoke of three things. I'm just going back a month ago uh, concerning our king. He can never be voted out because he, a king is never voted in. It, he, it is his birthright. He was born king of the Jews. He is born the son of God. He, is, he came from above, but Jesus was born king, and so are you if you're born again. You also are a king to rule with the king of kings and lord of lords. Uh, the second thing, a king's word is law. Not what our nation's talking about and all the laws that are passed in our nation, but our king's word is law. Yes? A king owns everything in his kingdom, number three. Men, demons, robbers, filthy spirits come in and they think they can rob his kingdom. But they can't. The king is still on the throne, believe you me. The, the footprints of faith are deep and wide in our nation, and God's on the move, and I'm excited about it. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28 and 29 says, Therefore we receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken. Let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. Everything that's not of his kingdom will be burned up. Wow. Imagine that, eh? So if God's fire burns up everything that in your life that is not of himself and in my life, what would be left? Good question. 
Just take that one, put it in your kitty, take it home with you. Jesus spoke in uh, Matthew chapter 6, and he spoke ab- uh, about how that the heathen, they're occupied with all sorts of things, their business and, what, and their family and, and the world and what they're going to wear, what they're going to put on, where the next meal's come from, going to come from. That's what the heathen do. That's what uh, the nations worry about at times. But, God, but Jesus said there's two things that you need to worry about, and that is number one, seek first the kingdom of God, and number two, his righteousness, because your righteousness will not do, even if you got it 99% right. And I know Billy Graham, Billy Graham, Mother Teresa, was it? I think they did a, spoke to them, and I think they put themselves at about 50%. We don't get it right, as far as our walk's concerned. Even the very best, but one has got his right, and God is giving us his righteousness. See his kingdom and seek his righteousness. That's just, that's, just, uh, that's just a roundup from my last message from last month. I didn't know it was Palm Sunday today. You know about Palm Sunday? When they put the palms down, Jesus rode into Jerusalem and they said, Hosanna in the highest. They, they, they welcomed him in thinking he was going to rescue them. Save now, Hosanna, save now, save now, save now, save now. Do you know what? The king is coming. I say Hosanna this morning. Save now. We need our kingdom. We're desperate in this nation for the king of glory to come and praise God. Well, today I want to speak about, we're starting our theme, the kingdom. The kingdom, an awesome theme. And of course, in starting this kingdom, I want to start today with talking about the lost table. So just before we start, I'll just ask Ian and Sophia to bring that table over here. Wayne, if you could just grab a helper and grab that uh, throne from off the stage. Wow, you just missed a fantastic message from Sophia. She brought a thought on redemption in the prayer time. It was so awesome. I, I really don't need to speak today. You missed out on just an absolute treat if you weren't there, but there were those that were there this morning that got that word that Sophia brought. It was fantastic. Praise God. We invite you again. Come early. Be devoted to the King. Hey, uh, Wayne. The King wants to sit at his table, eh? He's very powerful, this man. Look at this. Great. Awesome. Praise God. God's sitting there. He's our Father. And Jesus is on the table. And he's laid the table for us. God is sitting here. God is here in this chair. You realize that, don't you? He's everywhere. The psalmist, did he say, if I make my bed in hell, you're there. So he's on this chair. He's everywhere. He's in my heart. And his son is on the table today. The lost table. Bring back the table. Hallelujah. I'm getting passionate already. I'm going to get into my message. <laughs> Praise God. The king wants us to come to his table. He wants us to come to his table. See, both John the Baptist and Jesus came preaching. A repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Now the king has a table. Okay, we'll work on that. John chapter 3 and verse uh, 3, Jesus said to Nicodemus, he, he uh He said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. So we don't want you to just see a physical chair and 
and physical table with physical emblems. We wanted you through the eyes of faith to look way beyond, way beyond that and see himself. Glory to God, to see the king. Solomon had a great table. When we go back and we look at Solomon, it was amazing in the Old Testament. He had an awesome house that he built and he had a great table. He, we read about him and he was David, King David's son. And uh, he was a king of wisdom. God offered him, said, what do, you, what do you wish from me, you know? And he said, wisdom. He didn't ask for riches. So because he asked for wisdom, he got everything else. Do you know wisdom is your friend? He was also the king of peace. Solomon actually means peace. The word Solomon means peace. His name is peace. He had a tremendous kingdom. Reigned, was it, for 40 years, was it? Ian, did Solomon reign for 40 years? I think he did. There wasn't any wars. David fought many wars, his father, King David, the one that killed Goliath, the giant. But Solomon had a rule of peace. And he wrote in Proverbs, Solomon wrote in Proverbs 9, verse 1 and 2, Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her meat. She has mixed her wine. She has, no, uh, she has furnished her table. Wisdom's done that. This table, this amazing table of our king has been furnished uh, by the king of kings and lord of lords. Solomon was a builder. Uh, he was a builder in Israel, and he, built, he was a builder in Israel, of Israel and of the temple, and uh, he was also the wisest person that this world had seen at that time. Of course, until Jesus came on the scene, I believe. But Solomon is showing us here in Proverbs chapter 9 what made his own kingdom and house great. At the heart of Solomon's house, Solomon placed a table. If you go back and read about how many oxen, how many sheep, how much it took for one meal, it was like tons and tons, literally tons, not just heaps of food. It was many, many tons of food or tens of tons or hundreds of tons of food for one meal. Thousands upon thousands sat around this great king's table. Now Solomon is a wonderful type to us of our Lord Jesus Christ. So around his table were all his leaders and mighty men, and his business was done at his table. Why was Solomon so great? Why was he so powerful? Because of the table. He had a mighty house that he built, and he had an awesome table. I say the lost table. I say, bring back the table of the king. If you want to have influence, you want to see change in our nation, it's to do with his table. Yes? Amen. So then the queen of Sheba came down in 1 Kings chapter 10 and uh, verse 4 and 5, and it says there, And when the queen of Sheba had seen all the wisdom of Solomon and the house that he had built and the food on his table, the seating of his servants, and the service of his waiters and their apparel, all their dress, and his cupbearers, and his entryway by which he went up to the house of the Lord, there was no more spirit in her. It was just magnificent. It was wow. Wow, how much more? The King of kings and Lord of lords, how much more is the importance of his table? But he humbled himself. And to the outward eye, to the natural eye, it's very meager. It's very... 
humble. But I pray that God will speak to your soul, that he will speak to your spirit today, and that you will see the wonderful value of the king's table and the importance of it, that it be brought back central in all that we do in our lives. The lost table. When a house is getting built, and uh, my uh, daughter and son-in-law are building a house, we built our house uh, 16 years ago, 17 years ago. What is at the center of your house? Well, it's really, uh, it's really uh, what part of the house is central? It's the kitchen, isn't it? Really, it's one of the most expensive parts when you build your kitchen and everything. And it's a very, very important part of a house where food is prepared for guests that will then come into that house. Food and fellowship is what the enemy of our souls wants to disrupt. He'll try everything for us to remove the table out of our homes. Yes. He'll even put a TV in the lounge that we spend more time there than around the table with our children. And I speak for myself because uh, when we were younger and the children were younger and we had no TV, TV, we used to sit down, and we still sometimes do sit down at the table, but as of growing up, we sort of grab our food on the plate and then go back, hear the news, the bad news, or, or watch something on TV, or it could be sport. You know, the enemy of our souls wants to rob the tables. Not only should it be central in our gatherings, it should be central in our homes. Over the last two weeks, I've been doing communion every day, or, or maybe it's over two weeks, three weeks, two. And uh, what a difference it's made even in my business in that sitting down at the table of the Lord early in the morning at 6 o'clock in the morning and talking to the King of Kings who sits at the table and I'm on the other side like you guys are here. I've talked to my father. His son's on the table. Commit your way unto the Lord. Trust also in Him. And He will bring it to pass. You don't need to try and make it happen. Just come to the table. Commit it to the Lord. He'll bring it to pass. You know he's a better businessman than I am? Yeah. Glory to God. Why did it take so long for the penny to drop, eh, for me? I believe that, that at the heart of God's house, there's always a table. Sometimes we put it in the corner and only do it once a month, and I think God's been speaking to me about that, and that's a sad thing. When we get rid of the table and we just get up here and we just share our thoughts instead of coming to the king's table. I, I, it's just, I'm not saying that we're not at the king's table. As we prepare for this, I'm sitting at the king's table. I'm not saying the king's here, but I just think the table, I believe God's saying to me, bring back the lost table. Bring back the lost table. And, um, so God's house, yes, always the table. The house depends on and grows from and around the table. It's, it's the table with Christ, the living word on it, that draws the unsaved, hungry uh, soul and the hungry multitudes uh, to the Lord. See, the table's often lost to religion. It just becomes a form of godliness, or we go through the motions really quickly, but we deny the power. And God wants a table brought back. In Matthew, in Matthew 13, verse 15, it says, for the, uh, Jesus said, For the hearts of this people have grown dull. Yeah? Their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes. Maybe spiritual eyes it's speaking about, eh? Because we've all got our eyes open this morning, unless someone's praying for me. Keep them shut if you are. <laughs> uh, 
what does it say? Lest they should see with their eyes and, uh, and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their heart and turn or be converted so that I would heal them. There's four steps there before healing comes. We've just finished healing. And God's saying to me, like, like when I'm learning te reo, my kaiako, a kaiako or my teacher always says when he brings uh, something new to teach us regularly throughout the, the uh, time that we spend, throughout the hour and a half, he says, titiro whakarongo, with both hands, over his eyes, over his ears. Look and listen. And then he bring a new word, you know. But he said, you need to pay attention. God says, look, listen, understand with your heart, and be converted. So it's titiro whakarongo, understand with your heart, be converted. Repent. You see, it's looking, not looking inward, it's looking to the king that's been raised from the dead. And then if you do that, that's, that's the way, that's the progress, that's the steps. Look, listen, understand with the heart. Maybe you could link the four different grounds when the seed was sown on that as well, I don't know. But then be healed. Conversion. No longer is my heart, my life revolving around myself, but I get I look to the Lord. That's repentance. Turning away from here to there. That's repentance. Walking by faith, not by sight. That's repentance. Not just seeing the things that are temporal and that can be shaken, but seeing beyond that. Having spiritual our spiritual eyes and spiritual ears open and seeing clearly. The last table, Luke 14. Let's read a passage there. I love that. What Jesus said, and there's a few verses to read here, but I think it'd be helpful just to read this story. It's a beautiful gospel story, this about a table that has been laid. And in verse 16 of chapter 14 of Luke, Jesus says, he, Then he said to him, A certain man made a great supper and invited many and sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, Come, for all things are now ready. Now just look and listen. Understand with your heart. Be converted. Come to the Lord's table, because this is important. This is what is getting spoken of here. It's not just physical. Verse 18, but they all with one accord began to make excuse. The first said to him, I brought a piece of ground. Got a good asset now. I must go and see it. I pray you have me excused. Another said, I bought five yoke of oxen or a brand new uh, tractor, and I'm going to test, test them. I ask you to have me excused. Still another said, I've married a wife. Now, we can't blame the wife for that. It's his fault, isn't it? Easy to pass the buck. They've been doing that since the fall in the Garden of Eden, man, has they? I've married a wife. It's not her fault. And therefore, I can't come. That's a big excuse. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house being angry. These privileged people, they didn't want to come. They had so much privilege. They didn't want to come. It made the master of the house angry. He invested everything in this amazing table, and they didn't want to come to this great supper that he had prepared for them. So he says, go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in here the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind. And the servant said, Master, it's done, as you commanded, and still there's room. It's a great supper, and there's always more room for more. 
Glory to God. Then the master said to his servants, Go out to the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. For I say to you that none of those men who were invited shall taste of my supper. Some people are so privileged and and have so much opportunity, even in Christian circles, religious circles, but they're not really tasting of the Lord's Supper. All they're doing is just satisfying their own minds, their own hearts, seeing things through their own perspective and not through God's. Yeah? These are ones in the hedges. Who lays under a hedge? Well, when you get drunk, you're probably under a hedge maybe, or you might be stoned on something, or you, a, 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 an addict, I don't know. Those are the people that the love of our awesome God, our King, wants to reach. His love is so powerful, His table so amazing, so furnished with, furnished with such daintities that everything we could ever need, He will have there spread for us. What an awesome table. Far greater than Solomon's table, the lost table. I call it the cosmic trading table of our God. Cosmic because, well, it's the, um, it's really, it really comes from somewhere beyond, really, doesn't it? And it, uh, it uh, speaks of orderly arrangement, the word cosmos. Uh, cosmic comes from the word cosmos. Uh, it's like a de- decoration or adorning or it's a world. It's another world. So when, when Jesus said in John 3.16, For God so loved the world, that word is cosmos. And it's not this present evil world. Like there's a world, there's more, there's a world that's headed up under the king that you won't necessarily see physically with your natural eyes. There's a present evil world where you see a whole lot of activity that's not of God. You see? But this is a cosmic trading table of our God. Bring back the table, the lost table. It links us with another world, with a very, very powerful king that wants to rule over our nation here in in New Zealand and rule over our lives and rule in our homes and out through our neighbors and into our community. He wants to rule there with his love, his grace, his provision, his goodness. You know, when we read in the Bible about Jesus choosing 12 disciples, one powerful thing that we read concerning them is that when he chose them, he chose them to what? that they might be with him. That they might be with him. That's what he was saying through this parable about going out and welcoming people to come. The king has laid a table. He's given everything. He's laid his whole life down so that we could have everything and, and partake of him daily, weekly, each day. Now, not necessarily. We don't always have to have a physical table. We don't always have to do communion each day. You open your Bible, you're sitting at the king's table. You pray, you talk to the Lord, you're sitting at his table. 24-7, we walk through the day with an attitude of prayer and dependency on our God because we've repented and turned away from ourselves and relying on everything we do for the day, whether it's in our business or with our whānau, whatever it is, whatever we're worrying about, it could be with our health, and suddenly we've repented, we've turned away, and we're looking to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords who has the solution. And it was so they might be with him. And the dear psalmist of Israel, David, who wrote so many beautiful psalms, he knew what it was to sit at the King's table, to have fellowship with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And what a transformation it brought to his life. Yes, he said in Psalm 23, verse 5 and 6, he says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. It doesn't matter how big your enemy is today. There's a table that our king has prepared for you. You can sit down with him 
He says in verse 6, And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He knows all about God's house, where there's a table. Just like in your house, in your home, there's a table. There's a kitchen, there's a pantry, there's food. There's, we love food, don't we? So does our Father. And He pre- prepares the best of food, the best of delicious meal in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wonderful fruit, love and joy and peace and long-suffering and kindness and goodness. Faithfulness, gentleness, self-control are only some of the fruit that's on his table. It's many things. And so I say it's like a trading table from another world. Bring back the table. Whatever you're going through today, bring it to the table. Talk to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Talk to our Father. You can trade up. You can trade your hate for his love. You can trade your lies for God's truth. You can trade our evil for the Lord's good. We can trade our trouble for the Lord's peace. Are you troubled in your soul about something? You might be troubled about your father, your children. Sometimes our children cause us trouble. Sometimes we're troubled about business. Sometimes we're troubled about government. We listen to the news and seeds of trouble are being sown all the time. What is it? We trade, we trade our sin for his grace, our death for his life, our lack for his bounty, our shame for God's mercy, our sorrow for the Lord's joy, praise God, our darkness for his light, our weakness for his strength, our fear for God's courage, our burden for the Lord's rest, our doubt for God's trust, our affliction for his healing. You can trade whatever you like at his table. Talk to him about a business deal. I started talking to him about business deals. It's it's wonderful. And then I find suddenly we're getting more in our business than what we actually were supposed to get. And God's opening a door where even as we relax and trust the Lord, we're getting blessed and His resources start coming in. Praise God. When I put my hand to it and I try and do it my way, you know that old song, I do it my way. For so long we do it our way, eh? It does never work so well. Which of these trades that I mentioned resonates most with you? There's a thousand more. Just trade at his table. He, the king wants you at his table, yes? You know, sometimes we get really crook. But the king wants us well. Yeah, My daughter recently had the tummy bug a week or two ago. And, uh, and then she came right after a few days. And you know what she said to me? You know, Dad, she said, it's, it's a good feeling being well. It really is. And I don't know, you might have had the tummy bug before and it's not until you come right and you get your energy back and then you go, whew, I didn't realize I was so crook. I'm actually feeling really good now. Now I notice the difference. It's a good feeling being well. Our Father wants us well. He wants to have heaven's best. He wants to trade with you all these things so that you can have blessing today. Okay. You may look at yourself and uh, see failure, but if you have received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you've been born again, well, then when God looks at you, you know what he sees? He sees Jesus. Amen. Our elders are right up there with the play. Jesus. Didn't we sing about him a lot? Jesus. Shout it from the mountain. Shout it in the streets. Shout it. Jesus. It means save. Hallelujah. And that's what our Father sees because we've been partaking at his table. If we take our eyes off the Lord, we don't see Jesus anymore, do we? 
If we start looking introverted, which our enemy of our souls wants us to do, or we'll look in the mirror and we see ourselves, we go, Ugh. it's not what our father sees. He loves you so much. He looks at you. He's made so much provision for you. He sees Jesus. He sees the perfect righteousness of Christ. Praise his name. He sees Jesus. Oh, that we would see Jesus. God's not looking for your sin. He's looking for Jesus. Get your eyes upon the Lord. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Praise God. Psalm 125 verse 1 says, They who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever. I love Mount Zion. I'd rather be at Mount Zion than uh, Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai was smoking. 3,000 got killed at the bottom of Mount Sinai. Mount Zion's far better. Mount, Z uh, Mount Zion's far better. Mount Sinai was shaking. An earthquake, you know, and the smoke that came up, yeah? Mount Zion is grace. Mount Sinai is law. Come to Mount Zion. Grace of our fathers, the goodness of God, God's riches at Christ's expense, His Son laid on the table. What more could our Father give? Come to Him. Hallelujah. Build your life on the mountain of grace and you will be like uh, the man who built his house upon a rock. Amen? Is that it? Wow. We're making good progress, aren't we? <laughs> Praise God. I was thinking I'd missed a page there. I do have another page. Because we're going to do communion soon, but I won't get the uh, ushers to come yet. We could take the... Uh, What an awesome table. Oh, that the Lord would open our eyes just to behold what's really at the table of the King of kings and Lord of lords. That he would open our eyes just to behold what it really cost our King, what it cost our God and Father to provide his Son for us, that we might, might partake of him. It's not something that we want to put away in a corner anymore. We want it here central. We want it central in our home, communing with, at the table of the King of kings, the amazing table of God. Bring back the table. Yes, Jesus and John the Baptist said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. It's right here. It's amazing how God orchestrates things. Palm Sunday. And we're saying, well, bring the king back in. I didn't even know it was Palm Sunday. I, I think that's just phenomenal. Our sister spoke of redemption. That's the gospel. She was so, it was so amazing the word she brought in the prayer time. You know, when we read in, in, in Corinthians, we read that many were weak and sickly spiritually among us because of this, uh, because they weren't partaking aright at the, at the king's table. And uh, they were, some had plenty and they weren't sharing it with those that were poor. And uh, they were shaming the, the ones that didn't have. They brought this great big picnic basket along, probably took two of them to carry it, set up this beautiful, with physical food on it, and they're eating, and here's the poor starving, you know? And they weren't recognizing the body of Christ that that poor man or that drunkard or that prostitute that have received Jesus is equally as important as, as, as you or I or, or any of us or any of those with plenty. 
And so they were weak, they were sickly spiritually. But the Lord's saying, do this for a remembrance of me. I was rich, yet for your sakes I became poor, that you through my, my poverty might be made rich. I didn't think it a thing to be grasped at, to be equal with God, because I am God. I am the eternal Son of God. I am the eternal Word of God. All, all things were made through me. But no, he condescended to come from another world into this world and to go to the cross. And he unveiled his glory and he stepped down towards us. Had he come here in, the full, uh, in his full glory, it would have been like the sun coming into this room. Can you imagine the sun that's 93 million miles away being right here? It's hot enough in some parts of the earth today, let alone being in this room. None of us would have ever lived. He had to step down, condescend, unveil his glory, became a man like unto the creatures he wanted to save. The Bible tells us to let us examine ourselves and, and not to stay away if you see sin. No, it's not doing an examination for that. Examine yourself and just recognize that you are not the source of life, and you need to come to the great creator. You need to be feeding at his table, the one who is the source. Examine yourself, it says, and so let him eat of this bread and drink of this cup. And he says, do it for a remembrance of me. Are we remembering our Lord in all that we do today? That's the question. I say remember him in everything that you do. Bring the table back into you. Maybe we should be sitting down at work in the staff room and having communion and talking to the Lord about business. It's just a thought. Maybe we should do that in every sphere, every avenue of life. Maybe at the beehive they should bring back the table of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords before they do the business of running the country. Yes, I see a, I see a country operating like that. I see a blessed nation of New Zealand operating like that. It's time for us to have vision. It's time for us to bring back the table of the Lord, yes. When Jesus was on earth, he talked about a new meal. The Father was preparing, which would uh, change everything. He said in John chapter 6, verse 55 and 57, he said, For my flesh is food indeed. 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 Yes, indeed. It's flesh. It's food indeed. My flesh. You go, no. He said, yes, well, it is. It's food. My blood is drink indeed. You go, what? Many people walked away when he was started talking about eating his flesh and drinking his blood. He said, he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood shall abide in me and I in him. As the living Father sent me I, and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me, it's not just a piece of bread and, and, and a little cup there. See beyond that, may God open our eyes, open our ears, open our heart. May we be converted to taste and see, taste of him, the Lord. He said, he that feeds on me will live because of me. In 1 Timothy 3 and 16, it says, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. I love this. These six points here. It says, God was manifested or revealed in flesh. That's, that in itself is, is a mystery. That God would be born of the virgin. That he would come, that Jesus would come and, and grow up here as a man. It's a great mystery. That the Creator who is so magnificent and so mighty and powerful could be restricted into the womb of a woman. It's incredible. It is a mystery. He was manifested in the flesh, but He was justified in the Spirit when the Holy Spirit came down at the baptism there. 
and even with all his miracles that he did and the power of God seen. He was seen by angels. They are interested in looking on what God's doing, what the King of Kings, their creator, are doing at any time. And they're here today. Angels are looking in to see the godly order as we meet around the king's table. Glory to God. He is preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world. When you believe on him, you're partaking of him. And then that which you've partaken of will be received up in glory. That's what will happen. It's only what you've partaken of the king that will last for eternity. He is, this is the eternal, eternal, incorruptible seed of the word of God, God's word. His spirit is incorruptible, the eternal spirit of God. Hallelujah. As we partake of him, we grow into his image. John said concerning him, and we're just about to do communion. We can have the ashes come up now and just uh, hand out communion. That'll be great. He said in John 1 and 14, he said, and the word became flesh. That's what we want here today. The word, the Jesus, who is the word, on the table here to become flesh in us. Yes, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. You'll see when he becomes flesh. You'll see the change in one another. But look to him. And we beheld his glory, John said, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. I love that only begotten. You read it all through the Scriptures. There is no other. Don't ever try and be like Him because uh, you never will be able to be like Him, but you need to partake of Him. And as you look to Him and see Him, you'll be changed from glory to glory into His likeness and into His image. We have no strength to try to be another Jesus, but God has chosen us in Him. So the glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. You know, recently I went out to an unveiling with uh, Ruben Rototo and uh, there were some unveilings. Nalia Martin were there. And you know, what really struck me is uh, Ruben with TJ there, you know, and, and uh, with the headstone, when they unveiled the headstones. And I, I love the way the Maori do it. It's, it's, it's so warm. I saw uh, Ruben with his hand over the headstone, valuing, rubbing the headstone, treasuring fond memories of TJ, you know, doing his business there. They didn't rush. I went past quite quick, but they didn't rush. There's a lot we can learn, you know. We don't want to rush communion. We got so used to rushing it. Just pause there. Rub, do this in remembrance of me. Run your hand over the headstone. Value. Value the sacrifice that has been made for us. Yeah? Wonderful. We owe our everything to the king. The old hymn writer said, but drops of grief can never repay. The debt of love we owe. He said, here would I give myself away. That's all that I can do. The king wants you at his table. God wants us to bring back the lost table into every sphere of life for his honour and glory. Just as you get communion, just silently, quietly muse and do business with the king. We're going to have just a couple of minutes just for you to do that. God will speak to you. He is here. We're two or three gathered together in his name. Here he is.
That verse comes to mind, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So great to sit at the Lord's table, the King's table. Sit down with our Father. God is for you. He doesn't want you to stay away. He wants to embrace you this morning. All the pain and the hurt of your life, he wants you just to lay it out on the table and just let him just be your healer. Let him to be Jesus. Shout Jesus. Savior. Thank you, Lord. Oh, Father, it's our great and awesome privilege just to honor you this morning. Such an awesome God. Thank you for sending your Son to be the Savior of the world. Thank you that he takes the things of the Father and reveals them to our hearts. He declared your name to us, Father, and even Dad. You've adopted us into your family. You've made us accepted in your beloved Son. You've laid a table before us in the presence of our enemies. When we came back to come back to you, Father, you don't talk about sin, but you say, bring forth the best robes. Put a ring on his finger and shoes on his feet. And you change our walk in life. And you bless us as we come back to the Father's table. What a privilege. What an awesome honor, Father. Just to be here with you today and... Uh, having our fellowship with you and with your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we just thank you for every sacrifice that you made for us. It was so hard going. Your face, your visage was so marred more than any man's and your form more than the sons of men. You could say through the psalmist, the reproaches of them that reproached me, uh, you have fallen upon me. People reproach your God in heaven. They want to wipe you out and rub rub you out from their imagination and from their mind. And uh, Father, But we thank you that you're alive and well and you reach out to us still. We thank you for a great supper. We pray for every soul here in this place that you would touch every heart, bless everyone, whether it's in their business, in their family, uh, in, in their health, in their soul, in their innermost being, every stronghold broken, we declare. What a privilege just to come here on the first day of a new week and commune with you. We thank you for the, your body, Lord. We don't remember that by your stripes we have been made whole. There's healing in your body today as we partake of this bread. We thank you for a new covenant, Father. We're in covenant relationship with you and with your son. We thank you for an inheritance because he has died. And you, our father, our dad, has given us the whole inheritance. And we just thank you that we're heirs of God and joint heirs with our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we rejoice in you. Thank you for opening our eyes. Lift any veil that would still be there to us. Behold your glory and to glory in the Lord today. In Jesus' name, for his honor and glory. Amen. Just uh, click the cups up. Have you got? Um, maybe not. Just put them to the end of your row. Oh no, we've got a basket. Yep, that's good. Hallelujah. Yes, I did encourage us all and myself. Of course, the message is for me. The the reason I stand here and bring a message like this is because God is speaking to me about the King's table and the lost table in my own home in my own workplace, in my own life, and how I need to feed more at the table. It's not that I don't feed at the king's table, but I don't want to give it second place. 
Uh, the table of God, our Father, needs to be absolutely prominent uh, in our everyday life. Thank you, Lord.